Hello everyone, I want to talk about Gangsta Rap. I'll be doing that today, tonight I should say. So let's get into it. History of the hiphop.wordpress.com Spread the love, the music, the culture. Gangster rap is the, again, it's the subject matter here. Gangster rap is a subgenre of hip hop music that evolved from hardcore hip hop. The genre was pioneered in the mid 1980s by rappers such as Schoolie D and Ice T, and was popularized in the later part of the 1980s by rap groups like NWA. Groups like NWA. After the national attention at Ice-T and N.W.A. N.W.A. stands for, as they call themselves, Niggas with Attitudes. Attracted in the late 1980s and early 1990s, gangster rap became the most commercially lucrative subgenre of hip-hop. Some gangster rappers have been associated or allegedly have ties with the Bloods or Crips gangs. The subject matter inherent in, inherent in gangster rap has caused a great deal of controversy. Criticism has come from both left-wing and right-wing commentators as well as religious leaders who have accused the genre of promoting crime, serial killing, violence, profanity, sex addiction, homophobia, racism, promiscuity, misogyny, rape, street gangs, drive-by shootings, vandalism, thievery, drug dealing, alcohol abuse, substance abuse, disregarding law enforcement, materialism, and narcissism. Many black rappers, including Ice-T and Sister Soldier, contended that they are being unfairly singled out because their music reflects deep changes in society not being addressed anywhere else in the public forum. The white politicians, the artists complain, neither do they understand the music nor have the desire to hear what's going on in the devastated communities that gave birth to the art form, wrote journalist Chuck Phillips in a review of the battle between the establishment and defenders of rap music. The reason why rap is under attack is because it, all, because it exposes all the contradictions of American culture. What started out as an underground art form has become a vehicle to expose a lot of critical issues that are not usually discussed in American politics. The problem here is that the White House and wannabes like Bill Clinton represent a political system that never intends to deal with inner-city urban chaos, Sister Soldier told Phillips. On the other hand, some commentators have criticized gangster rap as analogous to black minstrel shows and blackface performance, in which performers, both black and white, were made up to look African-American and acted in a stereotypically uncultured and ignorant manner for the entertainment of audiences. Gangster rappers often defend themselves by saying that they are describing the reality of inner city life and that they are only adopting a character like an actor playing a role which behaves in ways that they may not necessarily endorse. Gangster rappers appear hardcore and badder in quotations compared to the early concepts and themes of hip hop because they were saying what some people were afraid to say. In this world of gangster rap, there exists the emotion and perspective of marginalized people that are constantly overlooked and are constantly berated and belittled by society. Gangster rap was a side effect to the various wrongdoings that were being done to black people in underprivileged neighborhoods. So, here's what I feel. 
I feel that there are ways to address issues that are constructive and productive. I do think that all issues should be appropriately addressed 100%. As long as no one is being hate crimed or suffering from human rights violations of all kinds, I think that it's okay to express truth. The issue I have is if we just say things but we don't want to be a part of the solution then we too are aligned with the problem because we are the problem. I think about how I acknowledge that there there have been white folks who have done black people dirty and there have been black people who have done other black people dirty. There has been turncoat behavior in the black community towards itself. And there have been turncoats in white bodies to black bodies, right? So, here's how I feel. When you have people adopting a character like an actor playing a role, we have to be careful that we don't become the role. For example, Tupac Shakur, after he was in Juice, that 1992 classic film, he started to become Bishop. And that's a big reason why he was murdered in 1996. So I can understand that they are presenting reality, but be careful about how you present reality. Are you presenting reality from a socially conscious standpoint, or are you feeding into buffoonery? So it's good to show the world what's really going on with love in your heart, but it's bad to inaccurately depict reality in the world, okay? So personally, I don't play an actor when I podcast because I'm not into personas. I, I am my true identity, my genuine personality. So I do describe what's going on in the world, but I always and usually do it in a balanced way, a well-balanced way. So I don't want to have a persona when it comes to voicing truth. I just speak it as I feel in my heart. Now should white politicians be more considerate and more active in preventing ills in the black community? Yes. Should the black community be combating the ills in its own community? Yes. Because white people shouldn't be doing it by themselves. Um, 
And as for the ties with certain gangs, there has to be uh, carefulness there because you do have gangs who are in rivalry with each other. So, if you pick a gang, that other gang, you may, you may have some fatal consequences for picking one gang over the other, you know. There's been evidence of that, overwhelming evidence of that. Um, yes, there is hypocrisy in American culture. Um, we do have to combat the inner city urban chaos. Chaos everywhere, we just combat it. Um, in American politics, we should absolutely help the marginalized with the marginalized to eradicate the marginalizations in what is called devastated communities. I think white, white people should help, black people should help, and all kinds of people should help with that. Absolutely. All hands on deck. As for the black menstrual blackface, we have to be careful that we don't promote uncultured, stereotypical ignorance. We can tell the truth, and at the same time, don't be what you're rapping against. Don't embody what you're rhyming against, you know? So, if they're saying that gangster rap is basically a form of edutainment, Make sure it's edutainment. Make sure you do have the catchy beats and the prodigal lyricism. But actually say something of substance if you're saying, I want to educate people. There's a difference between healthy entertainment and unhealthy entertainment. One is humanization. The other is dehumanization. So we want to humanize, not dehumanize, all right? And there are things that are, people are afraid to say, and we should absolutely say the things that people are afraid to say, but with love in your heart. Um, we have to stop overlooking, berating, and belittling people. We have to start marginalizing people. Um, so we should end narcissism. We should end homophobia. We should end crime. We should end serial killing. We should end violence. We should end thievery. We should end alcohol abuse. We should end substance abuse. We should end drive-by shootings. We should end vandalism. We should end, like, drug dealing. Um... We should end sex addiction. We should end misogyny. We should end rape. We should end racism. We should end toxic masculinity promiscuity. And at the same time, we shouldn't be harsh on those who practice ethical male promiscuity. Disregarding citizens and disregarding people in the neighborhoods is wrong. Um, 
but disregarding healthy law enforcement, people actually care, I think that's wrong. And we have to stop being obsessed with materialism. You know? And we should end street gangs. Like, instead of doing crime, why not be um, healthy members of a healthy neighborhood? As for profanity, we should end um, irresponsible usage of profanity, but we should never end healthy usage of profanity, all right? Um, we should end rape and misogyny again. We should absolutely. Uh, the materialism that is based off your absolutely nothing if you are not have materialism, we should end those trauma doctrines. It's a trauma doctrine worth um, And so, I do want to say that um, I think we should all work together to end the ills of the world without being the ills of the world. We should be the resolution and not the enabling of self-destructive behavior. So what we have to do is the inner city, the politicians, the social services and the public services, and the world of psychology the world of science have to all band together with positive entities, positive leaders of entities to fight and eradicate the ills of the world as best we can. Um, be careful of the hardcore and battered imagery because that might just get you beaten or killed or harassed because I'll give you an example the notorious B.I.G. if you're in California in early 1997 and you've been warned people in Cali some of them, not all of them. I don't want to stigmatize nor generalize nor stereotype people in California because I love Californians. I love Californians. But there, if you've been warned by many people, including Eugene Gill and, and many others, who are telling you, if you stay in California long enough, some of the people in California who hate you are going to try to wipe you out with, with some guns. But if you choose to stay, again, you're going to be wiped out with some guns. I'm not saying you can't ever come to California. It's not right now because the thing with Tupac is still fresh in people's hearts. So some people's hearts. So just don't be in Cali right now. You chose to stay and he was murdered. I'm not saying this to rub poor salt anybody's wounds. What I'm saying is, if you have this big pocket image, this image of I'm a player, 
but I'm also hardcore. I'm a thug. I hustle. I sell dope. I kill. I got my gas. If you say all those things, then some people are going to hold you to it and say, oh, so you think you a G? You think you a soldier? Alright, I'm going to battle you for it. I'm going to try to out-gangster you. And some people are dead serious. They will try to kill you. So, when I'm on my podcast, I always make it understood. I'm not playing a role. I'm not trying to be anybody. I'm not. And nothing I'm saying is ever out of hate. It's always out of love. And what I say is what I feel. I always um, tell the truth about what I feel. But I do it balanced. And as I've grown in wisdom and the podcasting and writing, I don't say what I say to ruin people's lives. I say what I say to say, hey, there are things going on in society that I want to help you fix. Help me fix this. I don't, I'm I'm not hardcore. I'm not a thug. I'm not a gangster. Um, I'm not an OG. I'm not an American gangster. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm none of those things. I don't ever try to act hard. I don't go around posing and posturing. I don't tote guns. I don't shoot dice. Um, I'm, I don't live the thug life. I don't. I don't act roles I'm not supposed to be playing. Because people ain't playing. Some, some people ain't playing. Oh, really? So you think that you is that you're a Mac daddy, that you're a big money maker, that you're a pimp. Oh, okay. I got some for you, right? Some people will actually test you like that. Oh, yeah. And people have died and been murdered because of that. You know. And so that's what I mean about you could be so street minded that the rules of the street will be your fatal downfall your murderous downfall so be careful about this gangster image be very careful it's kind of like it's like this if you always talk about how many women you're sleeping with if you always talk about that and I mean from a standpoint of parading women which is wrong um, if you always talk about how many women you're sleeping with and running through, you also are going to encounter people who are going to try to have a sleeping around with women contest. They're going to try to overcome you in, in, in terms of the contest. So whatever image you got out there and you making it seem like you the best thing since life bread all the time, whatever you say you are, people are going to try to contest you for it. There are some dudes in history that say, oh, okay, you slept with 50 women? I got 100 max. You ain't nothing. I'm not encouraging any of this. I'm just saying, this is what I was exposed to in high school and college, all right? 
And those are things that people have to be careful. Be careful the image you put out there. I'm careful. Everything I'm saying, I'm not trying to battle anybody. I'm not trying to contest anybody. I'm not trying to go at anybody. Everything I say has everything to do with I have a loving heart and I want life to be better for all of us. I'm not trying to make a name of myself by clowning other people. No, I'm not going to do the whole strut my stuff. I don't do that. I don't sag my pants. I'm not dissing those who do. I'm just saying I don't swag. I don't sag my pants. I don't flex my muscles. I don't go around mean mugging and doing the tough guy thing. I don't do that. I'm a humble guy who means everybody well. I mean life well. Okay, that's me. So I just want people to know. It's one thing to be globally conscious and caring. It's another thing to be a wankster, a fake gangster, because wanksters are easy murder. I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying historically, there was always that one person who was never a gangster, tried to be a gangster, and they got gangstered out. They got sniped out. So be, be, be mindful that whoever you are, don't put an image out there that will cause you to die an unnecessary death, all right? So I'm saying we all should be held accountable for how we address issues, and we all should be addressing issues correctly with each other. So we gotta get the establishment to help out our communities. And we gotta get the establishment and the people who are directly impacted together to so these ills can be wiped out. Okay? Here we go. I, I wanna give more history. Gangster rap or gangster rap, initially called reality rap, is a subgenre of hip hop music that emerged in the mid to late 1980s as a distinct but highly controversial rap subgenre, whose lyrics assert the culture and values typical of American street gangs and street hustlers. Many gangster rappers want associations with real street gangs like the Crips and the Bloods. Gangster rap's earliest pioneers were Philadelphia rapper Schoolie D. Los Angeles rapper Ice-T and the genre was taken to new heights in 1988 by rap group N.W.A. By 1992, via record producer Dr. Dre, rapper Snoop Dogg, and their pioneering G-Funk sound, gangster rap had taken a rap genre as leading to become mainstream popular music. Gangster rap has been recurrently accused of promoting disorderly conduct and broad criminality, especially assault, homicide, and drug dealing, misogyny, promiscuity, and materialism. By the way, we have to end disorderly conduct, assault, homicide, and broad criminality. We have to end all of those things, all right? Gangster Rap's defenders have variously characterized it as artistic, de as art artistic depictions, but not literal endorsements of real life in American ghettos, or suggested that some lyrics voice rage against social oppression 
or police brutality, and have often accused critics of hypocrisy and racial bias. Still, gangster rap has been assailed even by some black public figures in the 1990s by Pastor Calvin Butts and by activist C. Dolores Tucker and later by Spike Lee. 1985 to 1988, Origins and Early Years. Schooly D and Ice-T. Ice-T was born in Newark, New Jersey in 1958. As a teenager, he moved to Los Angeles where he rose to prominence in the West Coast hip-hop scene. In 1986, Ice-T released Six in the Morning, which is often regarded as the second gangster rap song. Ice-T had been emceeing since the early 1980s. The first turn to gangster rap themes after being influenced by Philadelphia rapper Schooly D and his 1985 album Schooly D. In an interview with Props Magazine, Ice-T said, here's the exact chronological order of what really went down. The first record that came out along those lines was Schooly D's PSK. Then the syncopation of that rap was used by me when I made six in the morning. The vocal delivery was the same. PSK is making that green. Six in the morning, police at my door. When I heard that record, I was like, oh, shit. And call it a bite or what you will, but I dug that record. My record didn't sound like PSK, but I liked the way he was flowing with it. PSK was talking about Parkside Killers, but it was very vague. That was the only difference. When Schooly D did it, it was one by one, I'm knocking them out. All he did was represent a gang on his record. I took that and wrote a record about guns beating people down and all of that was six in the morning. At the same time my single came out, Boogie D Productions hit with Criminal Minded, which was a gangster-based album. It wasn't about messages or you must learn, it was about gangsterism. In 2011, Ice-T repeated in his autobiography that Schooly D was his, was his inspiration for gangster rap. Ice-T continued to release gangster rap albums Gangsta albums for the remainder of the 1980s. Rhyme, Page in 1987, Power 1988, and the Iceberg slash Freedom of Speech, Just Watch What You Say 1989. Ice-T's lyrics also contained strong political commentary and often played the line between glorifying the gangster lifestyle and criticizing it as a no-win situation. Here's what I say. I never glorify the gangster lifestyle. Um, and we have to stop putting people in scenarios where it's damned if you do or damned if you don't. All right. Schooly D's debut album, Schooly D, and especially the song PSK, What Does It Mean, were heavily influenced not only Ice-T, but also Eazy-E and N.W.A., most notably in the song Boys in the Hood, as well as the Beastie Boys and their seminal hardcore hip-hop-inspired album, Licensed to Ill, 1986. Boogie Down Productions is the next one. Boogie Down Productions released their first single, Say No Brother, Crack Attack, Don't Do It, 1986. It was followed by South Bronx slash P is Free and 9mm Goes Bang in the same year. The latter is the most gangster themed song of the three. In it, KRS-One boasts about shooting a crack dealer and his posse to death in self-defense. The album Criminal Mind followed 1980 followed in 1987 and was the first rap album to have firearms on its cover. Shortly after the release of this album, BDP's DJ Scott LaRock was shot and killed. After this, BDP subsequent records were more focused with the inadequate ration with the with the inadequate rationale removed. 1988 to 1997 Golden Age. NWA 
The first blockbuster gangster rap album was N.W.A. Straight Outta Compton, released in 1988. Straight Outta Compton would establish West Coast hip-hop as a vital genre and establish Los Angeles as legitimate rival to hip-hop's longtime capital, New York City, Straight Outta Compton. I'm sorry. The first blockbuster gangster rap album was N.W.A. Straight Outta Compton, released in 1988. Straight Outta Compton would establish West Coast hip-hop as a vital genre and establish Los Angeles as a legitimate rival to hip-hop's longtime capital, New York City. Straight Outta Compton sparked the first major controversy regarding hip-hop lyrics when their song, Fuck the Police, earned a letter from FBI Assistant Director Milt Arlerich strongly expressing law enforcement's resentment of the song. Due to the influence of, due to the influence of Ice T and W.A. and Ice Cube's early solo career, gangster rap is often somewhat erroneously credited as being a mostly West Coast phenomenon, despite the contributions of East Coast acts like Boogie Down Productions and Shaping the Genre, and despite Philadelphia rapper Schooly D being generally regarded as the first gangster rapper. In the early 1990s, former NWA member Ice Cube would further influence gangster rap with his hardcore socio-political solo albums, which suggested the potential of gangster rap as a political medium to give voice to inner city youth. NWA's second album, Ill, Ill Filled for Zack 1991, and it's spelled backwards, Niggas for Life, released after Ice Cube's departure from the groups broke ground as the first gangster rap album to reach number one in the Billboard pop chart. West, East, and South, we're talking about American Coast. Aside from N.W.A. and Ice-T, too short from Oakland, California, Kid Frost and the Southgate, G-A-T-E-based Latino group Cypress Hill were pioneering West Coast rappers with gangster rap songs and themes. Above the Law also played an important role in the gangster rap movement as their 1990 debut album, Living Like Hustlers, as well as their guest appearance on N.W.A.'s 1991, Il Zagin, foreshadowing the dominance of the genre in 1980, starting with Dr. Dre's The Chronic. The New York-based Run DMC, LL Cool J, UTFO, and Houdini were pre-new school rappers in the hip-hop culture, and sometimes they dressed in gang-like street clothing, hat, cap, and shoes. Bell L. Cool J was accused by KRS One. The seminal Long Island bass group Public Enemy featured aggressive, politically charged lyrics, which had an especially strong influence on gangster rappers such as Ice Cube. East Coast heart, East Coast hardcore rappers like Rakim, Eric B. and Rakim, Cool J Rap. Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, and EPMD also reflected the trend in hip-hop music in the late 1980s towards hard-hitting, angry, aggressive, and politically conscious lyrics revolving around crime, violence, poverty, war, and gunplay. I think um, when it says Ella Kuta is accused by Karis One, basically accusing him of not being potentially true hip-hop, not being embodying the spirit of hip-hop correctly it could be about his clothing it could be about his lyrics you do have that issue in 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 any industry you're not being conscious enough or you're not 
you need to be more honest about such and such. I think that's what the accusations are. The Houston-based group known as the Ghetto Boys came out around the late 1980s and made songs containing both gangster themes of crime and violence. Early 1990s, the Ghetto Boys gained top 40 hit Mind Playing Tricks on Me. The group notably released gangster rap Scarface, a track centered on selling cocaine and killing rival gang members. The Ghetto Boys are also known for being the first rap group to sample from the movie Scarface, a film which became the basis for various math the also rap samples in the 1990s. Furthermore, the Ghetto Boys, along with Jay, with uh, the Ghetto Boys are, along with Jam Master Jay's and Eric Sermon's group, Flat Leonard's and Prince Paul's and RZA's group, Grave Diggers, Grave Diggers, are often cited as pioneers of horrorcore rap a transgressive and abrasive subgenre of hardcore rap or gangster rap, which focuses on common horror themes such as the supernatural and the occult, often with gothic or macabre lyrics, satanic imagery, and slasher film or splatter film like violence. In 1986, the Los Angeles-based group CIA Ice Cube KD Sir Jinx rapped over white rapped over white rap group Beastie Boys tracks. For songs such as My Posse and Illegal, and the Beastie Boys' influence can be seen significantly in NWA's early albums. The Beastie Boys have started out as a hardcore punk band, but after the introduction to producer Rick Rubin and the exit of Kate Schellenbach, they became a rap group. According to Rolling Stone magazine, their 1986 album License to Ill is filled with enough references to is filled with enough with enough references to guns drugs and empty sex, including the pornographic deployment of a wiffle bat in Paul Revere to qualify as a gangster rap cornerstone. Ice-T solo career. Ice-T released one of the seminal albums of the genre, OG, original gangster 1991. It also contained a song by his new thrash metal group, Body Count, who released a self-titled album in 1992. Particular controversy surrounded one of its songs, Cop Killer. The, rap, the rock song was intended to speak from the viewpoint of a police target. Okay, let me get this right. Ice-T released one of the seminal albums of the genre, OG Original Gangster 1991. It also contained a song by his new thrash metal group, Body Count, who released a self-titled album, 1992. Particular controversy surrounded one of its songs, Cop Killer. The rock song was intended to speak from the viewpoint of a police target seeking revenge on racist, brutal cops. Ice-T's rock song infuriated government officials, the National Rifle Association, DNRA, and various police advocacy groups. Consequently, Time Warner Music refused to release Ice-T's upcoming album, Home Invasion, and dropped Ice-T from the label. Ice-T suggests that the fear, that the fur over the song was an overreaction telling journalist Chuck Phillips they've done movies about nurse killers and teacher killers and student killers. Arnold Schwarzenegger blew away dozens of cops as the Terminator, but I don't hear anybody complaining about that. In the same interview, Ice-T suggested to Phillips that the misunderstanding of cop killer, the misclassification of it as a rap song, not a rock song, and the attempt to censor it had racial overtones. The Supreme Court says it's okay for a white man to burn a cross in public, 
but nobody wants a black man to write a record about a cop killer. Ice-T's next album, Home Invasion, was postponed as a result of the controversy and was finally released in 1993. While it contained gangster elements, it was his most political album to date. After a proposed censoring of the Home Invasion album cover art, he, after a proposed, I'm sorry, it was his most political album to date. After a proposed censoring of the Home Invasion album cover art, he left Warner Brothers Records. Ice-T's subsequent releases went back to straight gangsterism, but it was never as popular as his early releases. He had alienated his core audience with his involvement in metal, his emphasis on politics, and his up-tempo bomb squad style beats during a time when G-Funk was popular. He published a book, The Ice Opinion, Who Gives a Fuck, in 1994. G-Funk and Death Row Records. In 1992, former NWA member Dr. Dre released The Chronic, a massive seller eventually going triple platinum, which showed that explicit gangster rap could hold mass could hold mass commercial appeal, just like more pop-oriented rappers such as MC Hammer, The Fresh Prince, that that DJ Jazzy Jeff and The Fresh Prince. Um, Jeff Towns and Will Smith, the rapper and actor, and Tone Locke, Anthony Terrell Smith. The album established the dominance of West Coast gangster rap in Trey's new post-NWA label, Death Row Records, owned by Dr. Dre along with Marion Shook Knight, as Trey's album showcased a stable of promising new death row, new death row rappers. The album also began the subgenre of G-Funk, a slow, drawled form of hip-hop that dominated the rap charts for some time. Extensively sampling P-Funk bands, especially Parliament and Funkadelic, G-Funk was multi-layered yet simple and easy to dance to. The simple message of its lyrics that life's problems could be overcome by guns, alcohol, and marijuana Endeared it, to, endeared it to a teenage audience. Obviously, you can't overcome life's problems. You can't overcome all of life's problems with guns, alcohol, and marijuana. Obviously, you can't. Um, the single Nothing But A G Thing became a crossover hit with its humorous house party influence video, becoming an MTV stable despite the network's historic orientation towards rock music. Another success was Ice Cube's Predator album, released at about the same time as The Chronic in 1992. It sold over 5 million copies and was number one in the charts propelled by the hit single, It Was A Good Day, despite the fact that Ice Cube was not a death row artist. One of the genre's biggest crossover stars was Dre's, was Dre's protege, Snoop Doggy Dog Doggy Style, Snoop Dogg whose exuberant party-oriented themes made songs such as Gin and Juice Club Anthems and Top Club Anthems and Top Hits Nationwide. In 1996, the rapper and actor Tupac, Tupac Shakur, signed with Death Row and released the multi-platinum double album All Eyes on Me. Not long afterward, his shocking murder brought gangster rap into national headlines to propel his posthumous the Don Illuminati, the Seven Day Theory album released under the alias Machiavelli, who early featured an image of Tupac being crucified on the front cover to the top of the charts. 
Warren G was another G-Funk musician along with the now deceased Nate Dogg. Other successful G-Funk influenced artists included Spice One, MC8, E-I-H-T is how he spelled it, and MC Ren, all of them reaching decent positions on the Billboard 100 in spite of not being associated with Death Row. Here we go. Mafioso rap. Mafioso rap. Think of the mafia. Mafioso rap is a hardcore hip-hop subgenre founded by Cool G Rap in the late 1980s. East Coast gangster rap was the counterpart of West Coast G-Funk rap. Mafioso rap is characterized by references to famous mobsters and mafiosi. Racketeering and organized crime in general, but especially the Silicon Mafia, the Italian-American Mafia, African-American organized crime, and Latin-American organized crime of drug cartels. Though a significant amount of mafioso rap was more gritty and street-oriented, focusing on street-level organized crime, other mafioso rap artists frequently focused on lavish, self-indulgent, materialistic, the luxurious subject matter associated with crime bosses and high-level mobsters, such as expensive drugs, cars, and expensive champagne. Though the genre died down for several years, it reemerged in 1995 when Wu-Tang Clan member Raekwon released his critically acclaimed solo album, Only Built for Cuban Links. 1995 also saw the release of Do, Do or Die by Nas Protégé AC, and the release of the album 456 by a subgenre originator, Cool G Rap. That this album featured other mafioso rap artists, MF, Grimm, Nas, and V1. These three albums brought the genre to mainstream recognition and inspired other East Coast artists, such as Jay Z, the notorious B.I.G., and Nas, to adopt the same themes as well with their albums, Reasonable Doubt, Life After Death, and It Was Written, respectively. East Coast gangster rap was popular by the late 1990s with Go-Face Killer's Fish Scale, Jay-Z's American Gangster, Raekwon's Only Built for Keeping Links Part 2. Many rappers such as Conejo, Mr. Criminal, T.I., Rick Ross, Fabulous, Jadakiss, Jim Jones, and Cassidy have maintained popularity, have maintained popularity with lyrics about self-centered urban criminal lifestyles or hustling, in quotations. Lil' Kim's Mafioso album, La Bella Mafia, released in 2003, was a commercial success receiving platinum certification. In 2020, Belgian rapper CHG Unfadeable released the Mafioso rap album Lifestyle featuring Kochi, Rap AC, and the first Italian-American mob rapper, The Snark. East Coast Hardcore Hip Hop and the East Coast West Coast Feed. Meanwhile, rappers from New York City such as Wu-Tang Clan, Onyx, Big L, Mob Deep, Nas, Notorious B.I.G. and The Locks, among others, pioneered a grittier sound known as hardcore hip-hop. In 1994, both Nas and Notorious B.I.G. released their debut albums, Illmatic, April 19, 1994, and Ready to Die, September 13, 1994, respectively, which paved the way for New York City to take back dominance from the West Coast. In an interview for The Independent in 1994, the Wu-Tang Clan's GCA, GZA, commented on the term gangster rap and its association with 
his group's music and hip-hop at the time. Our music is not gangster rap. There's no such thing. The label was created by the media to limit what we what we can say. We just deliver the truth in a brutal fashion. The young black male is a target. Snoop Doggy Dog has gone four times platinum and makes more money than the president. They don't like that, so you hear ban this, ban that. We attack people's emotions. It's a real life, real life show that brings out the inside in people. Like I said, intense. It is widely speculated that the ensuing East slash West battle between Death Row Records and Bad Boy Records resulted in the deaths of Death Row Records' Tupac, who was 25 years old, and Bad Boy Records' Notorious B.I.G., who was 24 years old. Even before the murders, Death Row had begun to unravel as co-founder Dr. Dre had left early in 1996. In the aftermath of Tupac's death, label owner Shook Knight was sentenced to prison for a parole violation, and Death Row proceeded to sink and Death Row proceeded to sink quickly as most of its as most of its remaining artists, including Snoop Dogg, left. Dr. Dre at the MTV Video Music Awards claimed that Gangsta Rap was dead, while Puff Daddy's Bad Boy Entertainment fared better than its West Coast rivals, and eventually began to lose popularity and support by the end of the decade due to its pursuit of a more mainstream sound, as well as challenges from Atlanta and New Orleans-based as well as challenges from Atlanta and New Orleans-based labels, especially Masterpiece and Limit Stable of popular rappers. So you have Southern and Midwest gangster rap. Houston first came onto the national scene in the late 1980s with the violent and disturbing stories told by the Ghetto Boys with member Scarface achieving major solo success in the mid-1990s. Willie D recorded G-Rap albums also. After the deaths of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls and Torres Biaggi and the media attention and murders generated, gangster rap became an even greater commercial force. However, most of the industry's major labels were in turmoil, bankrupt, or creatively stagnant, and new labels representing the rap scenes in new locations sprang up. Masterpiece No Limit Records label, based out of New Orleans, became quite popular in the late 1990s. Though critical success was very scarce, with the exceptions of some later editions like Mystical, Ghetto Fabulous 1998, No Limit had begun its rise to national popularity with Masterpiece The Ghetto Is Trying to Kill Me in 1994 and had major hits with Silk the Shocker, Change It to the Game 1998, and Sea Murder Life or Death 1998. Cash Money Records, also based out of New Orleans, had enormous commercial success beginning in the late 1990s with a similar musical style, but utilized a quality over quantity business approach unlike No Limit. Memphis Collective hypnotized minds led by 3-6 Mafia and Project Pat have taken gangster rap to some of its darker extremes. Led by in-house producers DJ Paul and Juicy J, the label became known for its pulsating, menacing beats now compromisingly thuggish lyrics. However, in the mid-2000s, the group began attaining more mainstream popularity, eventually culminating in the 3-6 Mafia winning an Academy Award Oscars for the song It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp from Hustle and Flow, the movie that came out. Midwest gangster rap originated in the mid-1990s and rose to major prominence in the 2000s. Midwest hip-hop was originally distinctive for its faster-paced flow. This is evident in the styles of the earliest Midwestern rappers to release albums. 
Chicago's Twister and Cleveland's Bone Thugs Harmony. Bone Thugs, known for their fast, harmonizing vocals, coupled with an ultra quick rap delivery, will achieve major success with their critically acclaimed 1995 album, E1999 Eternal, which featured a major hit in the Grammy winning The Crossroads. The chopped and screwed genre was developed in Houston, Texas, which remains the lo- which remains the location most associated with the style. The late DJ Screw, a South Houston DJ, is credited with the creation of early experimentation with the genre. DJ Screw began making mixtapes of the slowed down music in the early 1990s and began the screwed up click. This provided a significant outlet for MCs in the South Houston area to help local rappers such as Big Mo, Lil Flip, DSG, UGK, Lil Kiki, South Park, Mexican, Spice One, and Zero gain regional and sometimes national prominence. Narco rap. Narco rap is a music scene similar to the early underground gangster rap scene that emerged in northeastern Mexico and southern Texas. Its lyrical content, popular among Latino youth, is violent and focuses on the power of drug cartels and the gruesomeness of the drug war in the border region. Narco rap emerged in the urban area of Tamaulipas. Tamaulipas. A turf currently under armed dispute between the Zetas and the Gulf Cartel. Narco rappers sing about the life of mobsters and reality of the cities under the cartel's rule. Some of the key players of the genre are Kano Y. Blunt, T, and Big Loss. LOS, Big Loss. 1997 through 2000 billing area. Before. The late 1990s, gangster rap, while a huge selling genre, had been regarded as well outside the pop mainstream, committed to representing the experience of the inner city and not quote unquote selling out to the pop charts. However, the rise of Bad Boy Records was felt by the massive crossover sets of Bad Boy Head Sean Puffy Combs since 1997, an ensemble album No Way Out on the Hills of the Media Attention generated by the murders of Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G. Signaled a, signaled a major stylistic change against the rap, or as it is referred to on the East Coast, hardcore rap, as it morphed into a new subgenre of hip hop, which would become even more commercially successful and popularly accepted. The earlier somewhat controversial crossover success enjoyed by popular gangster rap songs like Gin and Juice gave way to gangster rap becoming a widely accepted staple on the pop charts in the late 1990s. For example, between the release of Notorious B.I.G.'s debut album Ready to Die in 1994 and his follow-up, the posthumous life after death in 1997, his sound changed from a darker, tense production with lyrics projecting desperation and paranoia to a cleaner, more laid-back sound fashion for popular consumption, though the references to guns, drug dealing, and life as a thug on the street remain. R&B-style hooks and instantly recognizable samples of well-known Soul and pop songs from the 1970s, 1980s were the staples of this sound, which were showcased primarily in Sean Puffy Combs' later latter-day production work from Notorious B.I.G. Mo Money, Mo Problems, May Still So Good, and non-bad boy artists such as Jay-Z, Can I Get a, and Nah Street Dreams, also achieving similar levels of success with a similar sound the same time at the same time. As Bad Boy was Master Penis, No Limit label in New Orleans, as well as the New Orleans Upstart Cash Money label. 
Many of the artists who achieved such mainstream success in, in the 2000s, such as Jay-Z, DMX, and 50 Cent and G-Unit, originate from the gritty 1990s East Coast rap scene and were influenced by hardcore artists such as the notorious B.I.G. Wu-Tang Clan and Nas. Mason Cameron were typical of a more relaxed, casual flow that became the pop gangster norm. By contrast, other rappers like Eminem and DMX enjoyed commercial success in the late 1990s by rapping about ever more Macabre tales of death and violence maintaining commercial relevance by attempting to be controversial and subversive growing on the horrorcore rap style born in the late 1980s. 2007 present mainstream decline the rise of drill and trap. By the late 2000s, alternative hip-hop had secured its place in the mainstream due in part to the declining commercial viability of gangster rap. Industry observers view the sales race between Kanye West's graduation and 50 Cent's Curtis as a turning point for hip-hop. Kanye West emerged a victor selling nearly a million copies in the first week alone, proving that innovative rap music could be just as commercially viable as gangster rap, if not more so. Although he designed it as a melancholic pop album rather than a rap album, Kanye's following 808s and Heartbreak would have a significant effect on hip-hop music. While his decision to sing about love, loneliness, and heartache for the entirety of the album was at first heavily criticized by music audiences and the album was predicted to be a flop, his subsequent critical acclaim and commercial success encouraged other mainstream rappers to take greater creative risks with their music. During the release of the Blueprint 3, New York rap mogul Jay-Z revealed that next, his next studio album would be an experimental effort, stating, It's not going to be a number one album. That's where I am right now. I want to make the most experimental album I've ever made. Jay-Z elaborated that, like Kanye, he was unsatisfied with contemporary hip-hop, was being inspired by indie rockers like Grizzly Bear, and asserted his belief that the indie rock movement would play an important role in the continued evolution of hip-hop. In the 2000s, a new form of gangster rap known as drill emerged from the Midwest, gaining popularity via rappers such as Lil Durk, Chief Keith, Lil Reese, and Lil, and Lil Herb. West Coast rapper Vince Stables is part of a new genre of rappers that is influenced by G-Rap. Being from the same area as Snoop himself, Stables has a sound that is lyrically in comparison to gangster rap, though also containing elements of conscious rap. His 2015 album, Summertime 06, reflects the challenges of racism, injustice, and violent fallouts in his childhood neighborhood. Other gangster rappers who have maintained success in recent times include Rick Ross, Jeezy, Nipsey Hussle, Gucci Mane, Freddie Gibbs, Meek Mill, Ace Hood, Pusha T, YG, ASAP Ferb, Bobby Schmurder, ASAP Rocky, J-Rock, Schoolboy Q, 21 Savage, Kodak Black, Dave East, Tay K, Uncle Murda, Casanova, Blueface, NLE, Chopper, and, and the Baby. Gangster Raps with Pioneers have met success in other forms of pop culture as well. In 2016, NWA, NWA was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They were followed up by the late Tupac Shakur in 2017, who was inducted as the first solo hip hop act under his first year of eligibility as a nominee. Other Rock and Roll Hall of Fame hip-hop acts include the 2007 induction of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, who are considered pioneers of expanding the sound of hip-hop 
from disco inspired party to street realities that inspired social change. The 2009 induction of Run DMC to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened the door for more hip hop inductions as they were followed up by the 2012 induction of the Beastie Boys and the 2013 induction of Public Enemy. So, You have criticism and debate. Explicit nature of gangster rap his lyrics has made it heavily controversial. There's also debate about the causation between gangster rap and violent behavior. A study by the Prevention Research Center for the, of the Pacific Institute for Research and Evaluation in Berkeley, California, finds young people listening to rap and hip hop are more likely to abuse alcohol and commit violent acts. Well, I don't, I hope we're not being biased in the studies that we do. And if I do studies that I agree with, nobody is being uh, diminished. Uh, I want to say that um, I listen to rap and hip hop. I don't do violent acts and I don't abuse alcohol. So I think that's a prejudicial and bigoted study. I think that we have to get to know people before we stereotype people. If you get to know people, you can't stereotype them. So I don't like that study. I think it's very alarming and concerning to me because what about kids who like heavy metal? Are they having the same issues apparently as these other young people? We need to do better and and why do you need a musical genre to be anti-alcohol, anti-violence? You don't need gangster rap for that. You can be anti-violence and anti-irresponsible use of alcohol without gangster rap. Critics of gangster rap hold that it glorifies and encourages criminal behavior may be at least partially to blame for the problem of street gangs. Although this view is often stereotyped as that of white conservatives, it has been shared by members of the black community, most notably Bill Cosby. Those who are supportive or at least less critical of gangster rap hold that crime on the street level is for the most part a reaction to poverty and that gangster rap reflects the reality of lower class life. Many believe that the blaming of crime on gangster rap is a form of unwanted moral panic. The World Development Report 2011, for instance, confirmed that most street gang members maintained that poverty and unemployment is what drove them to crime, none made reference to music. Ice Cube famously satirized the blame placed on gangster rap for social ills in his song, Gangster Rap Made Me Do It. Moreover, English scholar Ronald A. T. Judy has argued that gangster rap reflects the experience of blackness at the end of political economy when capital is no longer wholly W-H-O-L-L-Y, produced by human labor but in a globalized system of commodities. In this economy, gangster rap traffics blackness as a commodifiable effect of, as, it, as he said, 
of being a nigger. In other words, gangster rap defines the experience of blackness in which locates the gangster rap deployment of the word nigger in quotations. And this new global economic system as adaptation to the force of commodification in quotations for Judy. As it said, nigger and gangster rap becomes in epistemologically epistemologically authentic category for describing the condition of being black in the modern quote-unquote realm of things. Despite this, many who hold that gangster rap is not responsible for social ills are critical of the way many gangster rappers intentionally exaggerate their criminal passes for the sake of street credibility. Rick Ross and Slim Jesus, among others, have been heavily criticized for this. Tupacalypse Now Controversy. In 1992, then U.S. Vice President Dan Quayle blasted the recording industry for producing rap music he believed led to violence. Quayle called on Time Warner Incorporated subsidiary Interscope Records to withdraw Tupac Shador's 1991 um, debut album, Tupacalypse Now from Stores. Quayle stated, there's absolutely no reason for a record like this to be published. There's no place in our society. Quayle's motivation came in light of the murder of a Texas state trooper, Bill Davidson, who had been shot by Ronald Ray Howard after he had been pulled over. Howard was driving a stolen vehicle while songs from Tupacalypse Now were playing on the tape deck when he was stopped by the officers. The family of Davidson filed a civil suit against Shakur and Interscope Records, claiming the record's violent lyrics incite imminent lawless action. District Judge John D. Rainey held that Shakur and the record companies did not have the duty to prevent distributing his music when they could not reasonably foresee violence arising from the distribution, nor was there any intent for the usage of the music as a product for purposes of recovery under a product's liability theory, in quotations. Judge Rainey concluded the suit by ruling the Davidson's argument that the music was unprotected speech under the First Amendment was irrelevant. C. Dolores Tucker. Politicians such as C. Dolores Tucker have, have cited concerns with sexually explicit and misogynistic lyrics featured in hip-hop tracks. Tucker claimed the explicit lyrics used in hip-hop songs were threatening to the African-American community. Tucker, who was once the highest-ranking African-American woman in the Pennsylvania state government, focused on rap music in 1993, labeling it as quote-unquote pornographic filth and claiming it was offensive and demeaning to black women. Tucker stated, you can't listen to all that language and filth without it affecting you. Tucker also handed out leaflets containing lyrics from rap music and urged people to read them aloud. She picketed stores that sold the music and handed out petitions. She then proceeded to buy stock in Time Warner, Sunny, and other companies for the sole purpose to protest rap music at shareholders' meetings. 1994, Tucker protested when the NAACP nominated rapper Tupac Shakur for one of his Image Awards as Outstanding Acronym in a Motion Picture from his role in Poetic Justice. Some rappers labeled her narrow-minded and some ridiculed her in their lyrics, notably Shakur, who mentions her multiple times in the Diamond Certified 1996 All Eyes On Me. Shakur mentions Tucker in their tracks, Wonder Why They Call You Bitch and How Do You Want It, where Shakur sings, Dolores Tucker, you's a motherfucker. Instead of trying to help a nigga, you destroy a brother. 
Tucker filed a $10 million lawsuit against Shakur's estate for the comments made in both songs. In her lawsuit, she claimed that the comments were slanderous, caused her emotional distress, and invaded her personal privacy. The case was eventually dismissed. Shakur was not the only rap artist to mention in the song, such as Jay-Z, Eminem, Lil' Kim, The Game, and Lil' Wayne have all previously criticized Tucker for her opposition of the genre. Uh, First Amendment rights. Gangster rap has also raised questions of whether it is protected speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, since lyrics may express violence and may be considered true threats. The Supreme Court ruled in Alanis versus United States 2015 that mens rea, the intent to commit a crime, is necessary to convict someone of a crime for using threatening words in a rap song. In a notable case, rapper Jamal Knox performing as Mayhem Maul wrote a gangster rap song named Fuck the Police shortly after he was arrested for gun and drug charges in Pittsburgh. The song's lyrics specifically named the two arresting officers and included explicit violent threats including let's kill these cops because they don't do us no good. One of the officers believed to, believing to be threatened subsequently left the force. Knox was convicted of making terroristic threats and of witness intimidation and and of witness intimidation in a bench trial, and the conviction was affirmed by the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, which held that the song's lyrics amounted to a true threat. Knox petitioned the Supreme Court of the United States to hear the case, and academics joined rappers Killer Mike, Chance the Rapper, Meek Mill, Yo Gotti, Fat Joe, and 21 Savage in an amicus curiae brief arguing that Knox's song should be seen as a political statement, thus his protective speech. The Supreme Court declined to review in April 2019. German Gangster Rap The gangster rap movement in Germany derived its roots from the 1990s since 2003 slash 2004 has become a, has become a successful subgenre of German hip-hop. Contextually, musically, it borrows its influences from the French U.S.-based gangster rap and battle rap. Though there is a certain correlation between street rap and gangster rap, gangster rap is not considered as a derivative genre since it's only partially related to street rap and has contextually little to do with the other subgenres. History. Pioneers of the subgenre gangster rap have since the 1990s still been active are Kosavas and Azad. Within the genre, they, expl- they implemented an incredibly explicit, broken, and aggressive text that originally still had much influence from English text elements. The style of rap after the turn of the century was implemented by the majority of gangster rappers in Germany and is therefore a very well respected form on the approach of German gangster rap. On the other hand, Savas distanced himself from these vulgar and explicit texts. One of the founding fathers of German gangster rap, Charnel, the little-known rapper and martial arts artist, thematized growing up in the midst of a social renaissance. Gangster rap in other countries that resembled the music of the Rottelheim Hard Trime project in Germany was commercially successful in the 2000s. Germany at the time, however, had few rappers active in the subgenre, Uh, Certain artists in the Berlin underground hip-hop scene an opportunity to establish themselves with their lyrics representing a certain hardship acquired through the criminal lifestyle which had previously been popularized. Recognizable names in the underground scene are Bass Sultan, Hingzit, Fleur, MC Bogey, or MLK. 
Another notable rapper and pioneer of gangster rap in Germany is Azar. Though he came from the rural Frankfurt Ain man, he was a big reason the subgenres became popular in Germany. In his, in his lyrical attacks, he thematized the rich and rough lifestyle living in the Northwest Station. And he thematized the rich and rough lifestyle of living in the Northwest District of Frankfurt. At the beginning of the year 2003, the process of commercialization of this genre began. Contrary to popular belief, a variable of the German gangster rap became popular before the actions of genre itself did. When Sido, a notoriously known rapper from Berlin, released his album Maske, Maske? with thematized with which thematized gangs, drugs, and violence. This album became the first for genre to sell 100,000 copies. Following that album, Sido released another two named Ish and Ish und named Mask, which both, which both had over 100,000 sold copies and emphasized the success of his first album. Following the success of Sido and his albums, Bushido became the next artist to emerge from the German gangster rap scene. He established himself a career and became the most important representative of German gangster rap of his time. Agro Berlin, the label those two artists were both represented by, said that this version of rap was the, was the second, more aggressive evolution of German hip-hop. Bushido's albums, Carlo Cox, Nutton, which Flair, and Bushido's debut album, Baumberstein, This or Skyline, had relatively little success, although the prominent topics on his album were reflected directly with the themes that made Sido popular. Following the, following the continuous success of Sido and Bushido came a wave of rappers who were trying, with the help of major labels, to establish themselves and be recognized by the populace. Populace eventually came massive, who was signed with Sony, in, with Sony BMG, was crowned by his label to be the German 50 Cent, the rapper 50 Cent. The artist, this artist did not reach the success of 50 Cent. Further artists such as Baba Sad or Kalaga have since then established themselves as relatively successful in the German charts. As of recently, names such as Barrett Bang, Nate 57, Macho and Jasko, and Half Befel have appeared on the charts regularly. Musical style. Gangster rap in Germany originated from Queensbridge, Queensbridge, New York City rap in the, in the 1990s as well as French gangster rap. Characteristically, the necessary ambiance and melody for this type of hip-hop needs to be melancholic, dark, and often threatening. Often the, song, often the songs incorporate piano, choir, synthesizers, but also samples from classical and neoclassical arrangements. All, complex, all complexities such as minimalistic arrangements and vast or orchestral symphonic arrangements are used and sampled in the subgenre. Road rap. Road rap, also known as British gangster rap or simple UK rap, is a genre of music pioneered in South London, primarily in Brixton and Peckham. The genre is pioneered by groups such as PDC, SMS, South Muslim Soldiers, North Star artists such as Gigs and Cake Coke. The, the genre came to the fore as a backlash against the perceived commercialization of grime in the mid-late 2000s in London. The genre came to promise around 2007 with the rise of gigs. Road rap retained the explicit depictions of violence and British gang culture found in some early grime music. It combines it with a musical style more similar to American gangster rap than the sound system influenced music of grime, 
dubstep, UK garage, jungle, reggae, and dub. Gangs played a large part in the genre with gangs such as Mashtown Bass, based in Hackney, Star Gang formed by Tottenham Madam members, the Peckham Boys based in Peckham with its various subsets such as SN1, PYG and OPG, and Gas Gang based in Brixton, becoming notable in the rope rap scene during the 2000s. The rope rap scene centers around mixtape releases and YouTube videos of some of the genre's more popular acts getting mainstream recognition. The genre has been criticized for the relentless nihilism and violence in its lyrics, as well as its links to gangs and gun crime, with many rappers serving prison sentences. In keeping with grime, road rap has suffered from preemptive policing with gigs claiming that the Metropolitan Police have set out to deny him the opportunity to make a living from music, having banned him from touring. From touring. In 2011, Sticks would serve the first ever gang injunction that banned him from rapping about anything that may encourage violence. In the early 2000s, the American genre trail began to emerge in the UK, pushed by artists such as 150, 67, Section Boys. UK trail has been referred to as subgenre of road rap due to influence it's had on the genre. Road rap also went on to influence Afro Swing, Afro Swing, which emerged in the mid-2010s. So what are my thoughts on all of this? I know that was a lot. Here's what I said. I think that we have warped truth in life. Why do I say that? Because we want, because so many people have attacked gangster rap, but not have attacked cinematic uh, releases as well as televised releases that show the same elements that gangster rap has. So I can understand that where there could be um, racial overtones, racist overtones. However, I think that we have to be careful of what we put out. And on my podcast, everything I talk about, I make it clear I'm a human rights person. So everything I say has nothing to do with human rights violations. In fact, I always stand against human rights violations every episode I do when if you listen. If you listen. So it's kind of, it's like if you put out music and you're irresponsible with your lyrics. You're irresponsible with the musicality. You're irresponsible with with edu- with educating people on what the album's about and why. See, if you just put out lyrics and expect people to be down with the lyrics, but they show anger, they should. If you can have a parental advisory sticker, then you should explain what's on the album and why it's on the album and the purpose of the listener for how to respond to the album. If you, if I can do that for a podcast, why can't they do that for their records, right? Because I'll tell you this truth, right? So this is what my podcast will tell you. So I want people to know, okay, what's your podcast saying? I'll show you. My podcast says, 
Autism is my super blessing. I'm a high school valedictorian, college graduate, world traveler, disability advocate. I'm a Unitarian Universalist. I'm a progressive liberal. I'm about equal rights, human rights, civil and political rights, and economic, social, and cultural rights. I do servant leadership, balanced optimism, and oneness slash wholeness. I'm good, naked, and unashamed. I love positive personhood. Love your neighbor as yourself and do no harm. I'm also in a, I'm also appropriately inappropriate. My self ratings, NC17, triple X, X, X18 plus, and TVMA means empathy. I publish shows at 11 a.m. So when people listen to my albums, not my album, <laughs> when people listen to my podcast, they know exactly what they're going to get. And I have an E next to my name of the podcast, Tony Time Daily. So you know it's explicit, but you know that it's not explicit, it's just explicit. I'm not a shock jock, I'm also not squeaky clean. I'm not a person who has to tell it like it is. I, I'm also not the kind of person that has a tell it like a T.I. is personality. I'm not on that. I don't do persona. I do my true personality. I'm my genuine self. Um, so we have to be careful of what we mean when it comes to our consciousness and how we're supposed to engage with the consciousness. Because if your music is easy to kill, easy to hate crime, law enforcement, easy to destroy people's lives, you do have to take responsibility for the fact that your lyrics, your music, musicianship, and the tracks can easily lead to people uh, being killed, being harassed, being stalked, being intruded, being robbed, being mugged, being burglarized, and all the other crimes, right? So if we want to put out music, we have to make sure that we put out music where we have good intentions behind the music. Um, I'm not saying don't tell the truth. What I'm saying is you can't just put rap titles and rap songs out there and not expect backlash from, well, the title, you know how some people, they don't have the common sense to just listen to the song or to the to the title of the song and get the right message out of it no but I do understand that you know the Supreme Court should be just as tough on other people with the gangster rap elements and not just gangster rap itself you know the white man burn across the public yeah, the Supreme Court is hypocritical on that that's very true um Ice-T's right when you say hey Y'all have movies about killers and got the Terminator, but no one's upset about that. That is racist because if you have standards for black folks when it comes to gangster rap, you should have the same standards for white folks when it comes to cinematic productions and, and cinematic releases. Um, but what I would say to Ice-T is you can be better about depicting truth in humane ways than those white people 
I'm not advocating racism when I say that. I'm just saying you don't have to publicize the way that they do. You can publicize with more maturity. So I must admit, people shouldn't be blamed for what they had no bad intentions for. But if you are careless about your about the names of your record like bad boy death row come on those are terrible names for any entity those should be those shouldn't be names for any entity it's just it's just crazy it's insane to do that um but the nra and police advocacy groups and government officials should have the same outrage that for cop killer as for the ills that are harming and decimating the inner city. Again, that's another, those are other racist overtones that need to end. Um, what I say is, as the Supreme Court repeat, be careful what you publicize should be easily defended. Like whatever I publicize, easily defended because I always promote love in my episodes. So even if somebody misunderstood, I they could easily defend me. So it's okay to talk about the issues of the world. Make sure that you can easily explain the language that you're using and the words that you're using and the content of your message so people understand you're not just cussing and cussing, you're actually making intelligent points like I do. I don't cuss, just cuss. I always have intelligent points behind my profanity, right? And it's okay to, for example, talk about women. Just don't be misogynistic about it. It's okay to talk about sex. Just don't be a sexual narcissist about it. It's okay to be, talk about racism, but don't try to outdo some white people in for lack of a better term selling out the black community you know it's okay to have substance of what you say just make sure that you have the substance of people can quickly defend why you said that why the title why the language why the words why the specific musicianship but don't have music out there that could easily kill easily cause crime and that could easily be uh, a motivator for bigotry and discrimination in people's hearts don't do that so um, I think about how like we have like Tupac Shakur and C.D. Lawrence Tucker, they should not have been insulting each other. I think that a Lil Wayne, the gang, Lil Kim, Eminem, Jay-Z, Tupac, and C.D. Lawrence Tucker should have all have sat down and discussed how can we join forces in helping to improve Black community quality of living. How can we uh, enhance healthy race relations? I don't like that they went back and forth with each other and said harsh things about each other. I think that was just all wrong. 
um, I think they should have uh, joined forces to really tackle um, the ills that are pummeling the African American community and pummeling what's ha- the issues that are happening in older people communities and young people communities and needing to um, address the issues that could um, hurt multicultural diversity. So I think they should have joined together to do those things. Um, I think they should be, I think they should have um, truly gotten together to figure out, let's actually take a stand against those things that are harming our community. And more importantly, let's make sure that we don't have a generational warfare divide because that's unhelpful. Um, We should never say or do things that cause each other emotional distress. We should never invade each other's personal privacy. We should never be slanderous of each other. And yes, black women, all kinds of women do need to be uplifted. Um, We can talk about healthy sex without devaluation of female human bodies, human bodies as a whole. And as for the Knox, we have to be careful that you can make your point without an easy conviction for terroristic threats and witness intimidation. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with free speech, but make sure that you're using free speech to build and not destroy, to build up and not to tear down. So that's something Jamal Knox has to understand is I understand his intention, but when you say let's kill these cops, you can't be defended, right? So if you specifically name these people, including explicit violent threats, understand you can express your outrage without being threatened, without intimidating, because if you say I'm mad that I'm arrested, all I tried to do was this and that, but I wasn't trying to hurt anybody, and I actually love people, then the Supreme Court would not have upheld the conviction, including Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So you can say what's happening without illegality and without immorality, you know what I mean? Without causing unnecessary harm and stress and strife to people's lives. Um, criminal behavior is appalling and we need to resolve the problem of street gangs by actually inspiring positivity and healthy usage of gifts that young people have. That's how you resolve the problem of street gangs. Um, Glorifying violence is awful. 
glorifying violent acts is just wrong. Glorifying abuse of alcohol is wrong. Um, glorifying criminal behavior is wrong. Don't blame gangster rap for the ills of society, though. That's true. You can be pro-black without being a disgrace to our ancestors. As for the two-pocalypse now, First Amendment rights, that's what I want to say. Be globally conscious as long as you are not endangering the lives of yourself and other people. Don't put yourself in a situation where families can easily get the legal team to deal with you. Don't put yourself in a situation where your carelessness inspired hate crimes and the, and the family suffering from those hate crimes happened to a loved one. So that's something that has to be considered. Be socially responsible. Be morally responsible. Um, and another thing I have to address is be careful of the mobster image, the mafiasi image, the racketeering organized crime image organized crime, drug, drug, drug cartels, mafia image because there are fatal consequences for those imageries. Plus, you got real gangsters out here. Real gangsters. People who actually are gangsters all day, every day. Be careful of that image. Because the mafia, they, they, they're real and they're not playing. So be mindful that you, you need to breathe every day because there are people that need you. So the whole lavish, self-indulgent, materialistic, luxurious things, be careful of that. Because freeloaders love that imagery. Thieves love that imagery so be careful you live that lifestyle you're basically saying it's okay to live too fast live fast die young it's okay to live life too fast I mean, none of those things are okay by the way those things are all deplorable um especially says lavish self-indulgent listen Missouri as soon as it says self-indulgent I was like you know this is not good at all and be careful the crime boss image because real crime bosses do exist. Real drug lords, they real. They will they're known for busting a cat in terms of their murderous behavior. And high level mafia expensive drugs, cars, expensive champagne. Be careful. Snakes, you have human snakes out here. Be careful. Watch it. 
Um, I think I'm going to say this in closing. Um, I, I prefer conscious rap and political rap messages that do address these issues in the name of moral effectiveness. I don't listen to gangster rap on purpose. I don't listen to it on purpose. Um, I hate social oppression. I hate police brutality. I hate hypocrisy. I hate racial biases. I hate harmful artistic depictions, but I love healthy artistic depictions. Um, You have some people who have the gangster image, even though they're not living the gangster life anymore, and even though they've never lived the gangster life, never have, never will, which I think is incredible. I think your rhyme should mature as you mature in body and soul. And it's kind of like, be careful of your releases because you could get people murdered. You could put people, people's lives in danger. So, Make sure that there's compassionate love in your heart and your raps and rhymes. And as for like horrorcore and German rap and those kind of things, all I can say is be truthful, but don't inspire lawlessness in others. Don't inspire lawlessness in yourself. Um, As for this West Coast, this whole beef thing, I'm like, see, the problem is this King of New York, King of California, there's no such thing as uh, kings and queens in America. And I will say this, be careful of um, that world uh, just be careful of that world of oh, sorry for yawning. be careful of that world of feuding because feuding can permanently traumatize families we have to not stifle truth that should be told at the same time, we should be loving how we tell the truth, whether they're hard truth, evil truth, or fun truth. Uh, we should end the jealousy. We shouldn't ban for bad reasons. Um, we should stop. Ha- we should stop targeting human beings. We shouldn't be so into gangster rap that we actually cause ourselves imprisonment and law enforcement trouble. 
I, I don't say fuck the police. I say I'm down with good police. And I'm not down with bad police. That's what I say. Um, we should end gunplay. We should end war. We should end poverty. We should end violence. We should end crime. We should end the gangster lifestyles and we should end the no-win situation. As for the music and other depictions, I don't mind any platform that tells hard truths and the speak the truth in love perspective, whether that's music, movies, or TV, but certain platforms I don't consume because there's no compassionate love. There's no inspiration for global justice. There's no inspiration for political justice. There's no inspiration for economic justice. There's no inspiration for cultural justice. There's no information. There's no inspiration for so uh civil justice and human justice. When I say justice, I'm talking about all walks of life banding together for each other. So, um, I don't like the objectification. I don't like the sexual objectification. I hate sexual objectification. I hate objectification. I hate female objectification. I hate female sexual objectification. I hate male sexual objectification. I hate commodification. I hate dehumanization. I hate the assault on bodily integrity. I hate the war on personal boundaries. Um, I hate the stereotypical black person imagery promoting and living and thinking. Um, I hate um, white supremacy and white superiority. I hate that. Um, I hate hypermasculinity, toxic masculinity. I hate female misogyny. Um, And I just want to say, we have to end gangsterism. It's okay to have healthy, strong political commentary, as long as it's not hypocritical. And it's sad that we have success because of murder and crime. It's sad to have that kind of commercial success that way.
And I love that hip hop is evolving, that you can put other musical genres than hip hop so you can have a broader, more beautiful audience. I think that is good. We should have unemployment and economic empowerment. We should deter people from crime. We should deter people from bad reasons to do things. We should give people healthy incentives to do the right things instead of the wrong things. Um, I would say that if we're not careful, gangster rap can contribute to the social ills of the world. And at the same time, gangster rap is not responsible for social ills of the world either. It's not solely responsible. Um, No hypocritical moral panic, no fake outrage. As these problems existed before gangster rap. And we have to protect our young people from in-person, virtual, and technological uh, inhumanity. And those are all my thoughts on uh, 